Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. First off, I do want to wish everybody a happy Christmas Eve and a Merry Christmas. Sitting here recording this here on the morning of December 24th, and I will be off no episode on Christmas Day. Sorry if you were expecting one. Um, yeah, so I hope everybody has a great Christmas. We're here today to talk about the Christmas Day NFL slate. We got three games going on on Christmas Day, uh, the Dolphins and the Packers, the Buccaneers and the Cardinals, and the Rams and the Broncos. So uh, with those three games going on, there's plenty of opportunity to play some DFS contests. Uh, and so we're going to talk about the best plays, kind of the way I'm going to construct my lineup and just kind of how to build lineups for these three DFS contests tomorrow. Now, if you are listening to this before kickoff of all the Saturday NFL games, I do have a big Saturday preview here on the podcast feed. Check it out. We talk about everything you need to know for season-long and DFS football for the NFL's Saturday games. And also, if you want my full DFS picks, how I build my lineups, how I start my lineups, all that stuff, it is available on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And... Make sure you follow me on Twitter. I'm more than happy to answer any start, sit, or lineup questions, and I go over some stats and facts that I don't always get to here on the podcast. So, like I mentioned, I will be taking Christmas Day off. Hope everybody has a Merry Christmas. Uh, I will be back probably either the 26th or the 27th to talk about some college basketball or some college football. Um because believe it or not, sports keeps going. So, um, you know, we've got a lot of stuff going on right now. And so we've got a lot here to cover on Mike's Money Picks, and we will be covering all of it. So enough with the introduction. Let's go ahead and talk about Saturday's, the, or I'm sorry, not Saturday, Sunday's DFS slate. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. Honestly, y'all, looking at this slate of games, it's... Uh, how do I say this? Not the best. Um, the NFL, I know they're trying to take away the spotlight from the NBA here on Christmas Day. Um, and this slate of games probably looked a lot better in the preseason than it does now, but it just isn't really all that exciting. They're kind of some ugly matchups. So let's talk about the matchups and the point totals. So the first game of the day is Green Bay at Miami. Miami is three and a half point favorites and the game total is 50 which is the highest total of the day. And Miami has the highest implied team total of the day with Green Bay coming in third. That is probably the game that you're going to see a lot of people stack, and I don't blame them. That's the game I'm going to be stacking if I choose to do a lineup with a game stack. Now, the second game of the day is the Broncos at the Rams, which is actually the Nickelodeon game, which is pretty interesting. Uh, The Broncos are two and a half point favorites and the game total is 36 and a half, which is just dreadfully low. Uh, And then in terms of the implied totals, the Broncos are fourth and the Rams are fifth out of six teams on the day. And then the last game is the Buccaneers at the Cardinals. Tampa Bay is seven and a half point favorites. The game total is 40 and a half, which means that the Buccaneers are second on the implied total for the day and the Cardinals are in last. All right, so That does it for the games. Let's talk about the quarterback position. So if I were to rank the six quarterbacks playing just objectively on how many points I think they're going to score, it would be Tua, Rodgers, Brady, Wilson, Mayfield, and then Trace McSorley. So let's kind of break them down in that order. Tua is going to be the highest owned quarterback. He is the most expensive quarterback on both DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, he has not finished a game and scored in single digits fantasy points, so you're getting a pretty safe floor with Tua. However, he has not been over 18 points since Teron Armstead got hurt. Teron Armstead is back, 
But ever since that injury happened, the Dolphins' offense just kind of hasn't been the same explosive machine that it was the first half of the season. So Tua is going to be the highest-owned quarterback. He is my number one quarterback. But honestly, I don't think that the winner of a GPP tournament on FanDuel or DraftKings is going to come with Tua as their quarterback unless he absolutely goes off. I think that there's more value to be had. Uh, by playing Brady or Rodgers, and I think that it's much more likely that one of those two guys ends up being the winning quarterback on a GPP. So let's go ahead and talk about Rodgers. So Miami is 31st against quarterbacks, which bodes really well. However, Aaron Rodgers has kind of been the hardest quarterback to figure out this season. He's been in double digits pretty much every week since week one, but the only game he had over 20 fantasy points was against Dallas, who is one of the best defenses in the league. He really struggled against Detroit, who is one of the worst defenses in the league. And so He's kind of a mystery, but what you're getting now is we got back against the wall Aaron Rodgers, where Green Bay has to pretty much win out if they want to go to the playoffs, and I don't think he wants the embarrassment of missing the playoffs after everything that's going on with him this season. So I think we're going to get the absolute best of Aaron Rodgers, and it would not shock me if he comes into this game nationally televised and throws for like 300 yards and four touchdowns. Um, Now, granted, he hasn't done that anytime this season, but it would not surprise me if that happened. He's not the guy that you want to bet against, and you're absolutely terrified if you're an opposing defense where he's got the ball with two minutes left in the game. Like, that's honestly one of my measures of quarterback play is if I'm on defense and there's two minutes left in the game, how confident am I in my defense getting that stop, which is why I think Patrick Mahomes is the most terrifying quarterback in the league. Anyway, that side tangent. I think that Aaron Rodgers is a great GPP play, and I think that the sentiment on him would be a lot different if Monday night, the very last pass he threw, Christian Watson actually turned around and caught the football, and he ended up with five more fantasy points than he had. So I think that Aaron Rodgers is a really great option for this Sunday slate. Now, third in my rankings is Tom Brady. So Tampa is implied to score 24 points in this one, which is only a mark that they have achieved once all season. They scored 31 against Kansas City. However, If he doesn't get to 24 and he just gets to 20, Tom Brady actually averages 22.6 fantasy points per game when his team scores more than 20. Now, I think there's significant blowout risk in this one where Tampa might not have to throw in the second half. But, you know, if if they're not throwing in the second half, the reason is going to be because he threw for three touchdowns in the first half. So like I said earlier, I really think that the GPP winner is going to be Rodgers or Brady. I would give the edge to Rodgers, but I'm also going to be playing some lineups with Brady because, like I said, he is in a really good spot. And that 22.6 fantasy points per game when his team averages 20, that's pretty solid. That's more than Aaron Rodgers has all season, that 22.6. Fourth on my list is Russell Wilson. So Denver is implied 20 points in this game, which is something that they have done only three times this season. Their offense has been absolutely dreadful. However, in those three games where they scored 20 points, Russ had 26.6, 14.8, and 27.5 fantasy points for an average of 23 fantasy points per game when his team scores 20 points. That's pretty solid. However, teams have not been throwing on the Rams recently, though. Aaron Donald being out with an injury and likely out for the season means that the Rams' run defense is just kind of putrid, and teams go up on them early, and they grind the clock out the rest of the way, and so teams have not really been throwing on the Rams. Geno Smith had 25 fantasy points two games ago in that really close barn burner game that they played against the Rams, but the next two quarterbacks that played the Rams had not combined for that number. So you're just looking at a situation where I don't think the Broncos are going to need to throw. If they do, I don't think Russell Wilson's in a bad spot, but I don't think they're going to need to throw in this one, and I don't think that's going to be the game plan. 
That's why he sits fourth on my list, just barely above these last two guys. So Baker Mayfield is fifth. He has 14.2 and 7.5 fantasy points in his two starts for the Los Angeles Rams. Denver is the toughest team against quarterbacks. The receiving options for Baker are kind of bleak. Denver's really good in the secondary. Uh, I mean, I genuinely think that Baker with the Rams is honestly like he's a decent fantasy play generally, but not this week against Denver, not with these other quarterbacks here on the slate. And so I will probably pass on Baker Mayfield. So Trace McSorley is sixth. The former Penn State quarterback is making his first NFL start for the Arizona Cardinals. And he's only intriguing because of his price tag. He hasn't shown me anything that indicates that he is an NFL quality quarterback in his career. He came in relief of Colt McCoy last Sunday and had 15 passing attempts versus Denver. He threw for 95 yards and had two interceptions in those past 15 passing attempts. That's not good. Now, this is his very first career start, so we don't really have a sample size of what he does as an NFL starter. However, I do think he has a little bit of rushing upside. He was mobile in his time at Penn State, and so I think if you do play him, it, you know, you're hoping that he kind of scrambles for 60 yards and a touchdown, but I just it's hard to get behind him at you know with it being his first start against a good defense in Tampa, and I just don't think he's got an NFL arm. So uh, tough to get behind Trace McSorley on this one. However, that rushing upside does make him an option. If you're playing in DraftKings GPP, I could totally see McSorley giving you good value. All right, so that does it for the quarterback position. Let's switch on over and talk about some running backs. So with the running back position on this slate, we've got six different situations. We've got four kind of backfield by committees, and we've got two workhorse running backs. And we've got a whole lot of questionable tags on these running backs that are going to greatly impact who becomes the best plays on this slate. So the first committee that I want to talk about is Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon of the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Jones is currently questionable. However, he is expected to play. I would personally expect him to play. Over the last two weeks, this workload has kind of shifted a little bit. It's been, at the start of the season, it was leaning more towards A.J. Dillon. Through the middle of the season, it was leaning more towards Aaron Jones. Now, in the last two weeks, it's kind of leaning towards 50-50. Here's what I mean. A.J. Dillon has three more carries than Aaron Jones in the last two weeks combined, but Aaron Jones has four more targets in that same time span. So to me, this committee is much more closer to 50-50 than their two price tags indicate on DFS sites, but I think what they're factoring in with A.J. Dillon is the fact that he's super touchdown dependent. He hasn't had a good game all season where he didn't score a touchdown, so I think that that is kind of baked into the price tag there on A.J. Dillon. With the Packers being implied about 24 points in this one, I do think it's possible that both running backs score a touchdown, and I actually think that playing both is going to be a very unique GPP strategy on FanDuel and DraftKings this week because when you look at it, they the two of them, Jones and Dillon, have combined for 40 fantasy points in a single game three times this season. And with Miami not being great against the run, I think that that's actually an opportunity that both of them could do that again. And I actually totally kind of buy into playing both as a GPP strategy. However, I would not play them both with Aaron Rodgers. That would be kind of a disclaimer there. I also probably would not play them both with Tua because if both these running backs are going off, that probably doesn't mean that Miami's throwing for a whole lot either. All right, now the next committee is the one down in Miami, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson is very questionable, and I don't think he's 100%. So even if Wilson plays, I would lean Raheem Mostert. It's very hard to play the running back position with a banged up hip, which is what Jeff Wilson is dealing with right now. 
So let's talk about Mostert and let's talk about the defense he's going up against. So Raheem Mostert just averaged eight yards per carry against Buffalo, which is a pretty good run defense. And I really wish they would have ran him more. Like watching that game, it was kind of like, why are you not running the ball? I, I didn't understand it. So Green Bay is a Russian defense that is decently solid. Like they're just okay. They just gave up 13 fantasy points to Cam Akers and he did not have a touchdown. So, you know, kind of factoring that in, if Mostert gets the same kind of production that Cam Akers got and he gets a touchdown, that's looking at a 19 to 20 fantasy point day. So I think that Raheem Mostert is definitely a really solid option. Um, I would say though, if you're game stacking this one, I probably wouldn't stack it with Mostert. I kind of feel like he's going to be most effective if it's one of those like 21-17 type games where the Dolphins have the ball at the end and are going to be grinding out the clock. Now the Buccaneers committee is Leonard Fournette and Rashad White, and this has been about as close to a 50-50 split as a backfield committee can get. If you were to totally take touchdowns out of the equation, Rashad White would be much more valuable. And it's kind of... I don't know, like Fournette's touchdown dependent, but he's getting them. So it's kind of hard to complain about that. And Rashad White, you know, he's kind of gotten unlucky. He's kind of due for some touchdown regression. He hasn't scored a whole lot of touchdowns at all. But people want to kind of point out that Rashad White's the receiving back. I don't think that's actually very accurate. Fournette has 16 total catches in his last three games. That's a little over five a game. So I think that that narrative is kind of just dying down at this point. I would not play both of these guys together in a lineup, but I think that the game script with Arizona's offense being behind Trace McSorley and them likely to win this by two or three possessions, the game script is there for one of these running backs to shine. I would probably be inclined to pick Fournette. However, I could totally see this being a day where, you know, they give Fournette like eight carries in the first half and it's all Rashad White in the second half because they're going to be resting Fournette for the playoffs. So I could kind of see it going either way. And I think when you build your lineups this week, build it with a narrative in mind. So if you think this is going to be a blowout game, then maybe you can go Brady, one of the receivers, and Rashad White. So that way Rashad White gets all the rushing in the second half. Like I think, especially in a three-game slate, building with a narrative in mind and building with a game script in mind is going to be how you want to construct your lineups. And like I said, if you think this one turns into a blowout, Rashad White becomes a really good play. All right, now let's talk about the Broncos situation. We've got Latavius Murray and Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack has back-to-back 15-point performances, very quietly. Uh, and the reason it's been quiet is because he hasn't been getting a whole lot of touches. Marlon Mack, or, I'm sorry, Latavius Murray has been dominating the carries. And Murray is currently questionable for this game, by the way. I do think he plays, but that's beside the point. Murray had 24 carries in a low-scoring grinded-out win last week, and I could totally see that happening again this week with it being a low-scoring grinded-out game against the Rams. And Latavius Murray averaged 5.4 yards per carry last week. That's pretty good. Marlon Mack, both of his back-to-back 15-point performances have happened with touchdowns on the board, so you're kind of looking at a touchdown-dependent, big play-dependent Marlon Mack there. However, the price tag does make Marlon Mack very appealing, in my opinion. The Rams' run defense has been terrible without Aaron Donald, so I think that both of these guys are viable options. I think it kind of goes without saying that I would lean Latavius Murray, but Marlon Mack, if you think that this actually turns into a higher-scoring game, I think Marlon Mack is more of a play. 
Now let's talk about the two workhorses. James Conner is seeing over a 90% opportunity share for Arizona running backs, which he has not been quarterback dependent either. He's done well with Colt McCoy. He's done well with Kyler Murray. So we're going to see what he can do with Trace McSorley. In his last five games, all five have been over 13 fantasy points, and two of those five have been over 25 fantasy points. James Conner is pretty much the safest option out of all the running backs this week. He has the highest floor. He has the highest workload. He is going to be the ultimate cash game option if you are playing cash games on FanDuel and DraftKings. And I think that he's going to be pretty solid for GPPs as well, because I think people are going to fade the Arizona offense. So James Conner, you know, kind of one of my top options at the running back position this week. Now for Cam Akers of the Rams, he's gotten at least 80% of the team's carries in his last three games. And the Broncos, with their secondary being as stout as it is, the Rams, if they want to be successful, they're going to have to run the ball. So if you think that the Rams win this game, I would say that probably an Akers and a defense stack would work really well. Um, I think Kyron Williams' workload is kind of just fading as the as the weeks go on. He was really great as a pass catching back about a month ago, but he's kind of just not being used in the same way. Cam Akers has kind of become the workhorse there. So I think that Akers is definitely the guy I would want. Like James Conner, he's one of the safest options. He's definitely a guy you want to play in cash games. And I do think that, like I said, if you think the Rams win this game, he's going to be a very elite option. All right, so let's switch on over from the running back position and talk about some wide receivers. All right, so for the wide receiver position, this one's going to be a little quicker because we're just going to go team by team. And really, at the wide receiver position, especially on a small game slate, if you want to win big on FanDuel and DraftKings, you're going to have to stack. So you're going to have to, you know, play your quarterback and play the wide receivers that are with that quarterback. So, you know, pretty much take my quarterback analysis for which stacks I would be likely to play. But let's kind of break it down team by team here. So let's talk about the Dolphins first. So Tyreek Hill has been much more reliable than Jalen Waddell. Tyreek Hill has at least nine targets in four straight games. Jalen Waddell has not had more than five catches in a single game since week eight. And honestly, the 67-yard touchdown last week against the Bills saved his week. If he doesn't break that and score, you're looking at a very dud performance from Jalen Waddell in that one. So both those guys are pretty much the two funnels in this offense. Like, they're going to be the guys that are guaranteed to see the football a lot. And I mean a lot, like they're by far the two leaders in target share. No other Dolphins wide receiver is seeing significant work. My guess would be that Cedric Wilson would be the guy that you would want, if not uh, for Hill and Waddle. But Trent Sherfield's actually playing the most snaps out of the rest of that group. So maybe it's Sherfield, maybe it's Wilson. I don't know. I'm probably not intrigued in playing either of those guys unless I'm just absolutely game stacking and need to save some money. All right, let's talk about the Green Bay Packers. So right now, the Green Bay Packers have pretty much made Christian Watson their number one wide receiver, and then is just a big clogged up mess after that. Christian Watson has gotten at least six targets in his last five games. But after Watson, between Alan Lazard, Romeo Dobbs, and Randall Cobb, it's just a guessing game, in my opinion. Lazard is kind of seeing this usage as like this very short route, inside breaking route use receiver like it's really weird like his route tree is not what it used to be before Christian Watson took off uh Romeo Dobbs came back from injury last week and had the second most targets on the team after Christian Watson so he might be the guy I would look for uh as the number two option in this receiving core and Randall Cobb still doing his thing in Green Bay operating out of the slot which actually the slot is a decent position to attack the Dolphins defense so I would probably lean in this order Dobbs, Cobb, Lazard for this week with the Packers receivers. 
The Broncos receivers are a much simpler situation. If Cortland Sutton does not play, Jerry Judy is a must start. He has 33.3 fantasy, 33.3 fantasy points and 14.6 fantasy points in two games without Cortland Sutton. And Kendall Hinton might be worth a look if there's no Cortland Sutton as well, but Kendall Hinton is currently questionable for this game, as is Cortland Sutton. If Sutton plays, I think that he is likely to be the one that sees Jalen Ramsey because he's kind of the more bigger physical wide receiver. So even if Sutton plays, I would probably lean Jerry Judy, but I wouldn't like Judy as much if Sutton does play. If Sutton doesn't play, like lock in Judy, like for real. Like, I, I think that's a very obvious play if Sutton does not play. But if Sutton does play, I'm probably staying away from this situation. Now for the Rams, Van Jefferson is the only one I have interested in. Tutu Atwell is going to get some deep shots. So if you're looking to kind of punt a play or really save some salary, Tutu Atwell is the guy that he could catch one ball for 65 yards and a touchdown. He's getting the ball thrown deep a lot to him, and he's drawn a lot of pass interference flags. If he could just turn some of those into catches and touchdowns, then he might actually turn into a legitimate option. But for the time being, Van Jefferson is really the only one who has any sustainable value. Atwell is just the dart throw punt play. For the Buccaneers, in my opinion, Godwin ahead of Evans. Chris Godwin has at least eight targets in the last four weeks, and Mike Evans has only gotten eight targets in two of the last four weeks. Evans is just a touchdown-dependent play. I've talked about him here on the podcast before. I'm just not a fan of playing him in fantasy football because he needs to find the end zone to be viable. Now, if Julio Jones is inactive, Russell Gage becomes an intriguing option. Last week, he had 12 targets, good for eight receptions at 59 yards and two touchdowns when Julio Jones is out of the lineup. I'm not saying he's going to repeat that performance, but he could definitely find his way into seven or eight targets, especially with, you know, the Arizona Cardinals are going to be devoting a lot of attention to Godwin and Evans. Now, for the Cardinals, they're in a very interesting injury situation as well. DeAndre Hopkins is the only real option if everybody is active. And look, I see people that are like, well, you know, he's got Trace McSorley thrown to him. Well, DeAndre Hopkins should be Trace McSorley's best friend because DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best contested catch makers in the NFL. So you don't need to deliver a super accurate ball, or he doesn't even need to be that open to throw to DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to catch it anyway because that's what he does. So I think that, you know, we can very easily see Hopkins get to like 10 to 15 targets in this one if they are down and willing to throw the ball. Now, if there are some injuries, if there's no Marquise Brown, Greg Dortch becomes a really good play to me. I, again, I don't think that either of the two of them are very quarterback dependent because they're going to be getting the ball on swings and screens and short routes and slants, and it's just going to be easy to get the two of them to football. So if Marquise Brown is not active, Greg Dortch becomes a really good play. Marquise Brown, if active, eh, I don't know. I, I think he's a little overpriced for what he's currently looking at. Now, if Greg Dortch is inactive, A.J. Green is going to be the beneficiary. Don't try to get cute with Robbie Anderson uh, or anybody else. It would be A.J. Green that would be the beneficiary of that situation. All right, so that does it for the wide receivers. Let's go ahead, take a quick breather, and we'll do tight ends, and we will wrap up this podcast. All right, the tight end position. Being honest, this is kind of the ugliest slate of tight ends I have seen in a long, long time. So it, there's no real like solid locked in option at the tight end position. So let's just kind of break down each situation that we can. So Tyler Higby found a little chemistry with Baker Mayfield on Monday night. He had five targets, one of which was a touchdown. And so he is rightfully the highest priced tight end on this slate. If you want to play him, I get it. 
Like, I think tight end's a decent spot to attack the Denver defense at because they are so good at the corner and at the safety positions. Now, Greg Dulcich really disappointed us last week. He had a great opportunity going up against Arizona, but if there is no Cortland Sutton, you have to like his chances to get targets and catches. Like some of those Sutton targets and catches have to go somewhere else, right? So Greg Dulcich would be a good beneficiary of that. I think he's in one of the better situations of the tight ends on this slate. Mike Gesicki, you know, if you saw his comments after the game to Dawson Knox on Twitter, I don't think he helped himself any, but he's just simply not being used in this offense the way that he was last season and the year before that. So I'm kind of just not interested in playing him. He's just a super touchdown dependent option at this point. Trey McBride of the Arizona Cardinals has been kind of sneaky in his last two games. He has five targets and six targets in each of the last two games, and he's at a, such a low price tag this week that I think he might be the guy that you could kind of really pay down for and see some decent production out of. You know, those targets like five and six out of your tight end at this point in the season, that's not terrible. Now, you know what I say every week on here, death taxes and play your tight ends against the Cardinals, and this week that is Cade Otten and Cameron Brait. I liked Otten a lot more when Brait was out, but with the two of them in, Otten is actually out snapping Brait, but Brait is getting more targets. Otten's a better blocker, so he's going to be out on the field more, but Brait is the designated receiver. When he comes in, he's going to be getting the ball thrown to him. So I don't know. That one's kind of a pick your poison, but they do have the league's best matchup for a tight end, which is the Arizona Cardinals. For defense, don't be afraid to spend up this week for a defense. Um, like, I think the defenses are going to be pretty chalky. Um, the Buccaneers defense is obviously going to be the number one play going against Trace McSorley. Um, I am always slightly in favor of the running back defense stack. Um, you know, I think that there's not as much correlation there as some people would like you to believe, but there is a correlation that if you're playing a running back and you can play the defense because likely it means that that team's going to win the game, right? So, um, that's just my thoughts on defense this week. Don't be afraid to spend up for the big ones, uh, and I'm probably going to avoid the Cardinals defense. All right, so that does it for this episode. We just covered all of the NFL action on Christmas Day. Like I said, I will be back next week. Hope everybody has a wonderful Christmas. Um, if you are interested in playing or seeing all of my DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And if you have any lineup or start sit questions, head on over to my Twitter feed, twitter.com slash Mike's Money Picks or at Mike's Money Picks. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Good luck in all your DFS endeavors on the NFL and the NBA. I will be posting the NBA DFS picks onto the Patreon as well, if you were wondering. And so good luck in all your DFS contests. Enjoy your Christmas. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see y'all next time.